That radio chick Cheryl Lee here with you. Welcome to the Still Rocking It podcast where we'll have news, reviews and interviews with some of our favourite Australian musicians and artists. Today, something a little different. We chat with Australia's own prodigal son, international renowned jazz pianist Kim Perling. Kim, who has travelled the world playing with everyone who is anyone, including the Dalai Lama, opening for the who's who of the music world and musical directing some of our favourite musicals, finds himself back in his hometown of Adelaide due to COVID and family commitments. What is Kim Perling up to lately? Let's find out. You're with Cheryl Lee, that radio chick, and today, something a little bit different. A jazz rock star with us today, Kim Perling, Australian pianist, entertainer, composer, conductor, producer, educator, world traveller and humanitarian. That is a list, Kim. Born in Vietnam, adopted and raised in Australia. Perhaps you can tell us a little bit of your story. Where did it all begin? Oh, well, first of all, let me just say thank you for being um, entitled a jazz rock star. I've never been called that before. <laughs> <laughs> Lovely to be here. Thanks, Shirley. Thank you for coming in. We really appreciate your time. World traveller, world renowned, back in our wonderful town of Adelaide. Where did it all begin for Kim? It began here, and uh, I've really gone a full circle because I've done lots of things in my career and come back here just a couple of years ago when COVID started. But I guess if you want to go right back to the beginning, my story isn't very different to a lot of um, talented musicians, I guess. We discover music at a very young age, some of us. And uh, my sister was a teenager having classical piano lessons in the house and I was five years old and I was watching her from across the room many times I assume and um, when she'd finished practicing I would go up to the piano and reach up to the keyboard and play what she'd been playing by ear so I would mimic what she'd been doing not a full concerto but I could pick out the (laughs) pluck out the melodies and somehow work it out at the piano so you've obviously got a natural ear yeah, yeah, and and, I, and the ear is one thing because I was singing. I could sing relatively in tune as well. Mum and dad had people at the house thought hey, that's not normal, you know. So, <laughs> but to to actually translate it to the keyboard, you know, without any training, I think was something that they thought was fairly special. And I think I've played other instruments as well, but piano was the one I felt most connected with, and obviously from the very start. And you and your sister both adopted. Well, I've got two sisters, oh, and yes. they're, neither of them adopted. My oh, brother ah. was adopted. So yeah. there's four of you. Four. Well, my brother, we lost him. He was in a motorbike accident in Vietnam a few years ago, so that was a shame. But um, my two sisters are slightly older than me, and um, they Caucasian, biological, homemade daughters to mum and dad. (laughs) And then I was adopted during the Vietnam War, um, two and a half years before the war ended. I'll just digress here, but mum and dad had been trying to adopt a child from the war two years before I was even born in protest to the war and to help orphan, misplaced kids. So they finally they did, and I was adopted and became the first international adoption in Australia. The very first. Apparently so. Trendsetter you are. Yeah. <laughs> and then two years later when I was two and a half we adopted another another baby who became my brother Michael. Yeah. Are either of your sisters uh, musical? They've continued on with music? Um, I think my sister after she watched me playing the <laughs> piano and copying her she took up the flute or something <laughs> like that and that was the end of her piano playing days. Uh, Mum played a bit of piano before she got yeah. married. Dad played some guitar in the church. He's a, he was, he's a United Church minister retired now and my um 
sister is an actress and can sing a bit and my brother he, <laughs> this is a great story he, he took up the guitar and I can't remember who the teacher was but after a few lessons the teacher called mum and said oh Mrs Perling I think your son Michael isn't really into this because he, he plays one or two chords then looks at his watch <laughs> and <laughs> wants to go home so no one really did it professionally I was the only one that actually did anything substantial with the music so you've been all around the world you've done some amazing exciting things with some very very high profile people you must tell us all about what brought you back to Adelaide COVID yeah well I was doing content New Zealand early 2020 I was based in Paris and New York I've been based in those places for quite a while now but I didn't want to go back to those bases with the way I was seeing COVID unfold in, in Europe and America so I thought I'm really close to home I'll just go and spend time with mum and dad and see my sisters that's when we lost my brother so I was meant to be back and then mum was unwell for a while and dad has been unwell and then I met my girlfriend on the golf course so everything's sort of telling me to be here for now and, and, and it's been good it's, an, it's a new chapter to my life at the moment so in March it'll be three years Welcome yeah. back Yeah you originally educated at Westminster first and then Bachelor of Music in Jazz from the Uni of Adelaide. Mm. I've since then got a, had a Master's actually. As too. well. Yeah, in the US, yeah. Clever cookie. One of the highlights performing for the Dalai Lama. How did that happen? Oh, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> um, he called me up. No. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Kim, how you doing? <laughs> My pager went off. It said Dalai Lama. No, <laughs> no I, I, back in the early 90s, I was doing... Um, um, quite a few gigs in Adelaide. Some of it was in the corporate sector, some of it was in the government sector, and some of it was private things, and some of it was local establishments around town. And my trio were quite well known back in the 90s, and I think we were doing over 250 gigs a year. And I'm not lying, we were, we were really busy. So part of that government stuff, I think, they said, can you play for when the Dalai Lama comes to town? So check my diary and went, yes, okay. Yes, okay. <laughs> I'll move a few yeah. things. No, I think, yeah. So to answer that question, I guess a lot of things came to me because mm. we were so active in the 90s. So that was actually here in Adelaide? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I don't amazing. even remember where it is, where it was, yeah. But we were playing for the opening of buildings and government this and that, that and people coming to, to our, our state and things like that. So had a good taste of all the avenues that we could be performing. You are listening to Still Rocking It, the podcast with Cheryl Lee. We'll be back to speak some more to Kim Perling about his amazing overseas career, including his connection with Harry Connick Jr. In the meantime, let's have a listen to They Long to Be Close to You. When I finished uni in 1992, I started a trio, the one I was just talking about, and I had a couple of different bass players in that during the time, and, and I stayed for a period of six years. That's when we were gigging all over town. I had residencies at Stanford Plaza, Stanford Grand, Stanford Adelaide, which is, was the Intercontinental back then, and we had a little um, residency at Tappers down in Rundle Street on Friday nights from 11 till 2 in the morning. That was a very, very, very popular place. In 1998, I wanted to spread my wings and go to the US, and I nearly moved to Melbourne and I ended up being invited to teach at the University of Nevada, Las Vegas and do a master's degree. Mm-hmm. They call it a graduate assistantship where you earn your, your master's and, but you also teach a bit and do some other things. So I thought that's a great way to yes. start my days in America and I can work out the rest and how to stay, you know, once I'm there. So that, that first chapter of America was in Vegas 
affiliated with the university doing that degree, but my real education was working in all the casinos and showrooms with all these great American artists mm. and some non-American artists. So I found myself learning a lot more about the entertainment industry rather than just the music industry and playing the piano. I was suddenly on stage with all these really good entertainers that knew how to put shows together and I was learning more about show business, I guess I, yes, could, I could say. Yes. So um, people like um, Buddy Greco, the Mills Brothers, K-Star, Clint Holmes, Michelle Legrand, oh, so many great, great Paul mm. Lanker, so many great, great um, American artists coming through Vegas and with their own residencies and hotels around Vegas. So that was a really, really eye-opening experience for me, but gave me the skills to be a better entertainer and performer and, you know, I've realized I don't have to be just a pianist and play behind everyone else. I can actually do my own shows. And, and that's what I, how I started to cultivate my showmanship, I guess, and, and that performing side of, of being a musician and an entertainer. Well, putting those feathers in my cap as an entertainer that not a lot of musicians get the opportunity to learn or to, to even do. What a fabulous schooling. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's as we know in this business show, we, we learn on the job, don't yeah, we? Yeah. And to be thrown in the deep end on stages night after night with these amazing artists with fantastic bands because there were so uh, so many and continue to be so many great artists and musicians in Las Vegas of really really high standards so for a little boy from Adelaide that yeah. was a, that was a really eye-opening experience but at the time I was working with a singer um, that was backing vocalist for Wayne Newton and she knew that I wanted to spread my wings and eventually get out of this adult Disneyland in the middle of the desert yes. <laughs> <laughs> and she got a phone call from a theatrical company on Broadway in New York City saying that they've just sent out the national tour Footloose the Music do you know anyone that would like to conduct come out and conduct the show and she said oh my friend Kim would love to and the show was already on the road I hope, tell me if I'm talking too much no not at all no. okay. I love Footloose okay yeah <laughs> so the national tour of Footloose was um, travelling around America and two weeks after they, they got rid of the, the musical director and conductor I put well she volunteered me in the next <laughs> few days later with my Las Vegas apartment in disarray I went to um, Wilmington Delaware on the, on the east coast and I met the company manager at one in the morning or something in the hotel lobby and all the cast and crew and actors and everyone were already asleep from the show ready to go on, get on the bus and go to the next town and, and he gave me two massive binder folders of Act 1 and Act 2 of the conductor score of Footloose and it was I think it was Wednesday or Thursday show and he says what's Learn this by Friday? Yeah he, he said that's what he said <laughs> he said what's the conductor for the next two nights you start on Saturday night Wow and and I've never hadn't seen these this book these folders of music at all in my life and I just watched the conductor wrote down everything he did with his hands and every, all the set pieces that went by and all the cues from lights and and prompt props and stuff like that and and um, during the day I was in front of the the, the mirrors in my hotel room with the, those folders on a music stand and headphones on just waving my hands in the air trying to make everything look right and uh, I must have did something did something right because I took that show to uh, 247 cities in 11 months far um, out what yeah, another great schooling across America yeah yeah and I'd never conducted anything yeah. show, so <laughs> I would taught myself really yeah. oh, good. <laughs> and, that led on, and that led on to the next five year chapter of conducting Broadway shows and I was with Miss Saigon for two years and 42nd Street and we took these shows to Japan America and around Canada and, and it was yeah it was, that was a whole another skill that I yeah. had learnt and taught myself and very much cherished because I have a love for musical theatre but never thought I would could be in the yes. orchestra bit conducting it. Still rocking that podcast with that radio chick Cheryl Lee. Back to speak some more with Adelaide's own world-renowned pianist Kim Perling but any excuse to play the theme from Footloose here's Kenny Loggins.
I ended up in Florida because of a relationship after a couple of years we went together but we ended, I ended up using Florida as a base I was in Tampa, Florida and uh, I, I was had a trio there two young guys from USF the University of South Florida two very talented bass players and uh, bass player and drummer who was my American trio well actually I had a trio in Las Vegas as well so it's my second American trio we were performing all around Florida I did some concerts around America yeah, I was doing some uh, TV stuff for a network in, in Florida and one of the great things that transpired out of my time there was through the TV network is that Natalie Cole was coming to town and again they asked me if I would be able to play with her and again check my dial yeah I'll go I'll shift a <laughs> few I things must. around yeah. <laughs> yeah if I really have yeah. to <laughs> and, and, and this is a great story wow. too and just to, just to give you an idea of how competitive and how on your toes you need to be in America is that uh, I her, Natalie's manager emailed me all the music for the show it was a one hour TV Christmas special televised to 50 states around America and, um, and, I, and because of that I thought <laughs> I better learn this stuff off by heart because I don't want to see a piano player on national TV turning pages playing behind the great Natalie Cole so I learned all the music off by heart and I went to the studio three hours before the show and I never get that early to a gig obviously and musicians don't do that too and, <laughs> uh, and, I, and I got to the studio and then and after, and after a while they were putting lights at the piano and testing the, the sound of the piano on the mics and everything and then the studio audience came in and then we had a break and then before you know it was, we was creeping up to the 2 o'clock p.m. time of the show and I think I was at the piano seated there 15 minutes before the show and had still not even met Natalie wow. Cole yeah <laughs> and, and then finally about two, two or three minutes before the hour the studio manager yells out to the um, production manager okay we're ready for Natalie and the production manager yells out to Natalie's manager okay we're ready for Natalie and Natalie's manager yells out to Natalie's <laughs> personal assistant we're ready for Natalie and then just minutes later then she appears in this beautiful silvery gown and a glittering uh, glitzy microphone and she came up to the stage but turned her back to me and faced the audience getting ready for the countdown to start the show and then just 30 seconds before she turns around and says oh you're Kim I'm Natalie nice to meet you studio manager goes three Two, one. one. And then we're into it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and when you can see it on YouTube, there's a few clips of it on, on YouTube. Oh. It looks like we've been working together for years. Oh. Yeah. Pulled it off. Yeah, pulled it <laughs> off. But it's just another thing. It's just another one of my favorite stories. Yes. It just demonstrates how we, on your toes you need to be and, and how prepared you need to be. Because in the States, there's a lot more piano players and capable ones to slip in there right if you screw up or yeah. if you're not available. This <laughs> is so competitive and such a high standard, you know. So not as much here obviously you are listening to still rocking it the podcast with cheryl lee let's hear one of those songs sung at that performance natalie cole and kim perling with the seasonal song most wonderful time of the year You've also performed with Frank Sinatra Jr., mm. Julio Iglesias, mm. Harry Connick Jr. We were open for Harry. I didn't actually play with him. Yeah, same with Julio. But Frank Sinatra Jr. Yeah, that was in Vegas too, yeah, working yeah. with him. And that was an amazing gig because we were um, playing all the original Nelson Riddle arrangements that Frank Sinatra did with Count Basie live at the Sands. It's an iconic album with these yeah. amazing Nelson Riddle big band and string arrangements. And, and we played all those that night. And it was such, such a thrill to play with Frank's son and um, yeah. Junior and be playing all these songs that I knew so well from this album. Yeah. So 
these guys, they're all so lucky to have played with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I said that in an interview once. I came back one year to Adelaide and um, between the two halves of the show, it was at the Promethean, some music. I think it was about the 20th reunion of my trio and I'd come back and I thought, and I'll do, do, do this concert. And um, during the break, Jan Darling with Jazz Action decided to, we decided she would do an interview with me before we started the second set so people could know what I've what I've been telling yeah. you during my my life in um, since leaving Australia. And she goes, oh, so you work with Natalie Cole? And I said, well, no, well, she tells people she worked with me. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> of course. Back in Adelaide, you've got a, a residency here mm-hmm. at yeah. Luigi's yeah. Delicatessen. Yeah. Yeah. Fabulous Italian food, by the way, uh, on Franklin Street. How long have you been there? Um, I guess it'll be two years in June. That was something that landed in my lap, and I think Luigi and I both feel grateful to have met each other because I now after a while I realised that I, I was going to stay here, and I had a good year off at least from working and just spending time in Adelaide with my family. But I thought well, I need, probably need to pay some bills and do some <laughs> get, do some work. Do again. some work. Yeah. <laughs> so so um, there was Nikki Cosmata. Huskus, yes, um, you know Nikki. Yeah, she she said to Luigi, oh, he must she must he must have been talking to her, saying he wants to do live music, and she said, well, Kim Perling's back in town, and she arranged us to meet, and so I went over there, and he told, yeah, I want to get a piano in here, have some live music. And I thought perfect, so I found Luigi this grand piano in a house in Elizabeth. I looked for a few different ones, and then found this one in Elizabeth, and it was owned by a woman who was a piano teacher, and the piano sat in the same corner of the same room of the same house for thirty five years, wow. and it was tuned regularly. No one was allowed to touch. It. the kids and grandchildren weren't allowed to touch it unfortunately she went into a home and, and their two daughters were selling everything in their house so he gave her a small sum and, and put the piano in there I think it was on, on a Tuesday or Wednesday and that following weekend I started playing with upright bass players and swinging jazz songs every Friday and Saturday we haven't turned back since so it's been a great gig for me because it's kept me playing and there's, and there's a, been a place that my or Adelaide audience which is still well intact are coming out of the woodwork and coming to hear me play there as well as the few concerts I do at various places around the city and things like that so it's been really good so please go to luigideli.com and click on book a table and I'm there playing solo Thursdays from 6.45 to 9.45 and then 7 to 10 on Friday and Saturdays with various bass players that play with me people are really loving it there it gives a sort of feeling and sense of Europe and a New York or oh it's a there, beautiful so. vibe yeah. even at lunchtime yeah, yeah. it is a lovely piano really nice find out when and where you're playing by going onto Luigi's Facebook page or website do you oh, have one and Instagram yeah I I put all my stuff on Facebook so if you go to Kim Perling account one generally I put everything I'm doing concert dates and things like that and then Luigi dates and who's playing with me on those on those nights and so people can always know what I'm up to there yeah but Luigi Deli Instagram page is fairly active there's a lot of stuff that they put on there yeah is it three albums uh, I think it's more than that. Oh, more? yeah, yeah. I th- the first one was Trio Juice. That was in 1994. And that was my first album, and my bass player James Clark at the time recorded that too. So he was in another room pressing buttons and <laughs> playing the bass. I was on another one, and then I was on a compilation. Then I did one with Catherine Lambert, Catherine Lambert, and the Kim Perling Trio, and then. The year before leaving to go to America, I did another trio album to sort of wrap up my time here with a trio and have something for them to say while I go away. <laughs> Is that Let's Swing? That's Let's Swing, 
yeah, 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 that's right, yeah. And so they can find them links to those at the Facebook page as well. Um, no, no. <laughs> they're so old. I don't, I don't sell them anymore. <laughs> They'll I have to get a bootleg copy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, yeah, I need to record again, and I've done various recordings while in America, but I, I, I never like what I do. So those that are lucky to get these recordings from the, you know, secret recordings are very lucky. Yeah. So uh, is that a scoop that one day soon there might be? A new album coming Yeah, out. yeah. I, I think I'll record while I'm here, yeah. Yeah. I think what would be great, you could do a live album, live at Luigi's. Yeah, well, that's what I, would, I actually prefer recording live. So. You can pay me later. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, because I just like the feeling of playing live and the yeah. performance and the energy and, that you get from the audience. and, and the, So I think we will do that, actually. Well, that sounds like a good title. Live, Live at, at Luigi's. Luigi's. Yeah, yeah. yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you would love that. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Still Rocking It podcast with that radio chick, Cheryl Lee. Time to hear some of that amazing music from the Kim Perling Jazz Orchestra in the USA, Did I Do? Back more with Kim very shortly. After the Florida chapter, I was on the road as Engelbert Humperdinck's musical director and conductor. Well, most people <laughs> over 50 know who Engelbert Humperdinck is. You ask, <laughs> any, ask a millennial, they look blankly at me in the face. I seem to slip in when other musicians get fired because uh, Engelbert let go of his pianist and conductor and musical director. And, and a, a guy that I knew in Florida who had worked for him as an MD years previous, they called him to see if he'd want to go out on the road, but he had a woman and dogs and stuff and couldn't get away. Eddie Tobin, his name is, and Eddie used to come to my concerts in Florida and he knew that I'd conducted Broadway shows he recommended me to go to Engelbert and so there's another story where just days later I was in the Hard Rock Casino Hotel in Hollywood Florida and conducted my first show with Engelbert without a rehearsal with the band lucky you're a fast learner <laughs> yeah well, you, you, you really have to do your homework before you get on stage yeah. with these people so I worked with him for a couple of years in all the major concert halls around the world and a lot of England we did a big UK tour as well so and playing Royal Albert Hall so I played all these major in concert halls which I wouldn't have done without having worked with him so that was one chapter and then another thing I wanted to do when I finished with him I had the travel bug and I wanted to see more of the world and, and so I thought maybe I should check out cruise ships because I realised that there were guest entertainers on cruise ships and not a lot of people know that because they only know the musicians that work on the ships as, as the in-house band yeah to supplement the onboard entertainment program on cruise lines they bring what we call guest entertainers on people that have careers on land to supplement the gaps where they don't have enough shows if the cruise is three weeks long and they've only got four or five shows that the entertainment team do and then the cruise director does a show and a band does a show you know there's still some gaps so they bring people like us on board to do shows and I, and that has been really great too because it's a great way to see the world mm. they, I get paid really well to go onto these ships and the, and the ships I go on I have guest status on and so I get given and they're all the high end luxury five six star lines so they give me the key to these beautiful state rooms I travel with the ship generally for a week sometimes two weeks and I'll do one or two nights of shows on board during the week the rest of the time I have off to do in the pool cocktails yeah. well, I, well really to go ashore and discover these places yeah. around, the, around the world and and if you combine what I've done with ships to what I did with Ingleburn and other world travel I've travelled now to 144 countries around oh, the wow. world you mentioned the humanitarian work I do I've, I've always had a little bit of that in me from my parents 
but I, after seeing so much of the world and and taking a real interest in some of the poorer cultures around the world, I realised, okay, I'm established as a musician, I can pull an audience and there's no reason why a couple of times a year I can't do a concert where I don't charge a fee and I give the money to charity. So I started doing that with a few Vietnamese organisations and um, I did a concert in Florida while there. That was one of the first ones I did, feeding 2,000 children in Nepal. And then, of course, when the Nepalese earthquakes happened some years ago, I did a concert to raise money for the victims of the earthquake. And then everything seems to be pointing to Nepal as one of the very few places I haven't been. And uh, Emma Taylor, who's a friend of mine that I met at a church camp in my teens, we lost touch and then reconnected in, in our, I guess it was in our 40s. She is an amazing woman who started the Sunrise Children's Association in, in Nepal. I've her heard of them, are, yeah. Her office is in, in North Adelaide, I think, but she's over there on the ground in Nepal yeah. helping thousands of yeah. children and families, bringing illegally trafficked kids and kids in illegal orphanages back to their parents, mm. um, helping them with small grants to start their own businesses and stuff. So I've they been do to a fundraiser. It is. It's an amazing yeah. Were you work. the one last year at Burnside? Uh, no, it was a couple, couple of years, years ago, ago yeah. but yeah, she does amazing work. Yeah, I was there. I was there that night. Yeah, <laughs> the one at Burnside, yeah. I'm really proud to be associated with her yeah. and I need to do something again for her. But that humanitarian thing is something that I feel very committed to, even though I, have, I need to do more. I love it when I hear about successful musicians, successful people giving back. Mm. Thank you. That's amazing. Uh, yeah, well, the reason is, and we haven't talked about this, and I, I'm really good talking on the radio. Hey, right? that's all right. <laughs> I'm good at filling the time. Uh, I was actually found with no known parents, abandoned during the Vietnam War when I was only two or three days old. Yeah. Uh, I did touch on it a bit before. So knowing that I was taken out of a war zone and brought to Australia and had been given lots of love and support and opportunities, I, th- I never ever forgot where I came from and so I wanted to want to give that back to to other other children yeah let me know if you need any help okay I will I will will. thank you it's fabulous to hear your story and it's fabulous to have you back here in Adelaide so do get onto the Googleometer get down to Luigi's on a night that you can see Kim and I shall see you down the front okay every Thursday Friday and Saturday from about 7 to 10 I'm there I really enjoy it and I hope to see some more of you over there too and thanks very much for talking with me today thank you for coming we'll leave you with yesterday by the kim perling trio live at Le grand hall a live concert of unplanned sets and completely improvised music also with alejandro arenas and mark feynman You're with Cheryl Lee, that radio chick. Thank you so much for joining me on the Still Rocking It podcast. Hope to catch you again next time. Get out when you can, support Aussie music, and I'll see you down the front.